there's there's very few things that you would ever take vows for before God. You take vows when you become baptized, you take vows when you get married, and you you may take vows if you become a pastor or a leader in the church. That's basically it. There's no other time for vows. So this is going to be the one time, no matter what, that you stand up before God and say, I'm going to make promises to this person. The promises are not contingent on their promises. The promises are one way. Welcome to Let's Be Real, a completely honest, entirely practical conversation about how to live our lives with freedom, purpose, and abundance. Popular author and communicator Nicole Eunice brings her 20 years of experience as a counselor, pastor, and coach to a real conversation about the tricky questions and tough decisions in life and how to find clarity in action no matter what obstacle you may face. Have a topic to suggest or a tricky situation you need help with? We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email or voice memo to Nicole at NicoleEunice.com. We might feature you on the show. And now here's your host, Nicole Eunice. Welcome everyone to Let's Be Real. I am your host, Nicole Eunice, and I am so glad that you're joining me today because this may seem a little bit out of left field, but I hope that this topic today about love and about weddings in this season of weddings is actually really encouraging to you, whether you are aspiring to be married or you've been married for a long time, or you even are just looking for encouragement about what commitment and relationship can really look like. I just am so excited for us to talk about the meaning behind weddings. So we're in a crazy season right now of this pandemic and it means that we're staying home it means that things are really shifting and one of the places where there's been incredible shifts is in people's weddings and as you know weddings are planned years in advance or you know months and years in advance and there's so much kind of in our culture that makes a wedding full of all of this stuff which really is great stuff but can actually kind of overwhelm the actual intent of a wedding ceremony because you've got the reception you have the flowers, the photography, the videography, all this stuff, which is all good stuff. But I do think that sometimes the good stuff just just sort of distracts us from the great stuff. And in this season, I've had the opportunity and I'm even coming up right now getting ready to officiate a wedding where all of those plans have changed. And instead of the original kind of big reception and all that comes with it, all the guests and everything, this is a, a small backyard wedding with just sort of closest family and friends present. And over the last five years, as I've become ordained and have officiated weddings, first of all, I love officiating weddings so much. Some people don't love it. Um, I really do because I love the connection with the couple that we established beforehand. I love kind of the part that I'm going to talk about today around the ritual of a wedding ceremony and actually that those components that get put together in the experience all have this really rich meaning. I love that in a world where, you know, I didn't grow up in a lot of liturgy or ritual as part of my life. And in a lot of ways, I kind of look down on those kinds of experiences because they felt devoid of creativity, devoid of authenticity, maybe sort of just like a going through the motions. And I think that sometimes people go to weddings and they feel that exact same way. It's just kind of like, this is just the precursor before we get to the champagne and to the actual fun. We've got to do this thing before we do you know, the party. 
But in reality, as I have walked couples through the marriage ceremony, I myself have become more and more engaged in what rituals and symbols can do for us in life, not just in weddings, but what the use of rituals and depth and meaning and symbols can do for us to actually experience fuller and more flourishing lives. And so Dave and I, because of my work, have had the opportunity to be you know, a part of more than our fair share of weddings. And I found that as I've engaged with what a wedding is really about, it actually encourages kind of and recommits my own heart and my own love to Dave and to the the function of what it looks like to engage in a wedding, to engage in a marriage, and also just to engage deeply in relationships in our life. And I think some of these little aspects of a wedding can be helpful to even think about when you're crafting, let's say, the a moment for a child of yours, if you're crafting a moment in your friendships, if you're crafting a moment in your teams, if you're a leader, thinking through how small symbols can make a big difference in in how someone engages with what the meaning of the words, what the, the meaning of relationship and life together really looks like. So let's talk about weddings real briefly. I'm going to talk about four parts of a wedding ceremony that you're probably familiar with if you've been to traditional weddings or you had a traditional wedding, but I want to give you a little bit behind why things happen the way they happen in a wedding. So we're going to start at the beginning. Right at the beginning, we um, I'm going to take us from the moment where the groom comes out to the front of the church or the front of the room as we're getting ready for, or the front of the yard, as we're getting ready for this backyard wedding, and he stands with the pastor in the front of whatever that space is, the sanctuary, whatever. And then the, the kind of first thing that I want to bring to mind is this idea that when the bride enters the space, everyone stands up. And if you think about our world, which is like highly individualistic, highly sort of like, you know, I get to judge what's right, what's wrong, what I do, what I don't do in a world where maybe manners are not like the highest function in our life. The idea that we stand to honor someone and that this happens in a wedding, that when a bride enters the room, everybody stands to honor her is such a beautiful start of it. And if you think about it, the groom is already standing for her. And it's like everyone who's at the wedding is joining with the groom to stand and honor this relationship and the the culmination of this courtship to the ultimate commitment that we can make on earth, which is, is a marriage. So this happens first. So the reason that everyone stands is they're standing with the groom and they're standing to actually honor the bride as she enters. Now, generally, a bride will enter with her father or with her father or mother or with a, a family member or friend who's representing the family. And that's a really important part of the ceremony because of what happens next. So she comes down the aisle, the backyard, the room, whatever, and she stands. And now the groom and the bride are standing face to face. They're not standing with each other. They're kind of looking at each other. And the groom is sort of up front or on the altar and the bride is approaching the altar. And in a traditional wedding ceremony, there's actually a moment here that often gets missed because in some ways it actually sounds like the vows, but you know it's not the vows yet. And sometimes if you're a participant at a wedding or you're not paying attention, you don't realize what's happening. But this is such a beautiful moment of expression to me in a wedding 
which is that there's a moment here and it's called like a declaration of intent, which means that both parties, both bride and groom are asked, do you really want to do this? Like that's, that's basically what that that moment is for is like, do you want to come together and enter into the sacred space of the altar of God to declare these promises to each other? So the the, the groom is asked first, do you have the intent to marry this woman? Do you promise that you're going to take care of her, basically? And then the same question is asked of the bride. Do you want to do this? And I I love that part of a marriage where there's this kind of equal, are you ready to step away and, and actually literally step away from your family and begin this ceremony of becoming a new family? Are you ready for that moment? And so the the groom says yes, the bride says yes, and then the next thing that's asked is who is bringing forward this bride to be married? Who's bringing this woman to be married to this man? Now, many people, if you're very traditional or you're, or you're very egalitarian, you might be like, why has someone got to give the woman away? You know, uh, I understand that, but, and I, of course, I'm like the biggest feminist there is. But the idea that this moment represents symbolically stepping out of your family to start a new family. So that's the idea behind that. In fact, if, if both parties wanted to be given away, that would be fine with me, but groom and bride. But the idea there is it's a very important moment because in a marriage, when a marriage is marriage centered, love can flourish and grow and growth can happen. If a marriage stays sort of centered within the families of origin, whether that's the groom's family or the bride's family, there is much conflict formed here because I'm bringing in my own family. It's like I'm bringing the whole crew with me into this marriage when really the purpose of stepping away and into a marriage, just like Jesus said, for this reason a man will leave his family and join with his wife, that idea is we're starting a new family right now. So the reason that the bride is, or the bride's family is asked who is bringing this woman to be married to this man is because this is actually the moment. Remember, the, the bride and groom are still face to face. They're not standing next to each other. They're actually looking at each other. The woman is still standing sort of before the aisle and the guy's standing in front of her. This question is the question, do you want to step away literally and figuratively from your family of origin and start a new family? It's very powerful. And so when the family says we are bringing, we're we're honoring, we're blessing the walking away of this woman from our family into a new family. That's why the groom comes down and kind of takes her arm and then they walk together with, if there's a yes there, of course, they walk together into I like to think of it as actually walking together into the ceremony like they're they're coming into the presence of God when they step sort of up on the altar so that's all happens like right in the first couple minutes of a ceremony in those couple of minutes what's happening is both people are saying yes for sure I want to make this commitment yes for sure I am walking away from my family of origin and I'm choosing you as my new family, all of that happens before we even get to the vows. And so then the, the, the groom comes next to the bride and now they're standing side by side and they step up together into that space. We just try to create an invisible space if we're not in a sanctuary. It's like an invisible space where we're now saying we are entering in to the presence of God to make these promises. And so all of that happens before any sort of anything else happens. Now the bride and groom are together in the wedding ceremony. 
So I love that because of what that means for your future. When you know that happened, Dave and I got married very young. I, I, I barely knew what it was like to be an adult, much less to be a wife, much less to sort of grow into maturity in relationship. But even now, I can remember that we did that thing. We did those things. We said to each other, I choose you as my new family. I am stepping out of my family of origin. It's not that I don't love and honor my family, but my my family of origin is no longer my first family. Now I have a new family, and that family starts with me and you in this moment when we step together and step up together onto the altar, into the presence of God to make these promises to each other. We're not just saying, yes, we love each other, and we're going to build a life together. We're saying, yes, we love each other, we're going to build a life together to the priority of this family that we grew up in. So it truly is this this really beautiful moment. I always love to encourage couples to know what's happening then so that when they come together and they grab hands or they link arms, they realize, oh, this is what we're doing now. We're saying, I choose you. I choose you over my family. I choose to enter in with you to this sort of... Um, to the hierarchy that's kind of over, I prioritize you over all else. So that happens there. Okay, so the next part of the ceremony is usually scripture reading or a homily. And this is where I love that ritual and tradition gives us a framework of depth, but also there's space in it for creativity and individuality. And in this moment, scripture may be read, someone may sing a song. I've had uh, couples who in this moment, people spontaneously clapped for them, which I loved. This might be a moment where it's just a very simple blessing or homily from the pastor. But what I love to tell people in this particular moment is that not only are the bride and groom important, obviously, in what's happening here, but that every person who's in the room is also important. It's not like when we have a wedding, we just gather people off the street, whoever wants to come can come. We choose very selectively who we're inviting to the wedding. And any bride and groom with large families or large communities who've had to like wrangle over who's coming to a wedding understands this. We've got these priorities of the people that we want to have there. And and sometimes we can get kind of lost in all that around dinner plates and occupancy rules or whatever or money. But when in this pandemic, as weddings have become these backyard experiences, it's become all the more clear, like we are prioritizing these people of honor in our life. And those people are not just there to observe. Every single person at a wedding is an active participant in the ceremony, in the commitment. It even says in traditional, in traditional kind of order of worship that we are come, we're declaring before God and these witnesses. So the people there are witnesses to the promises that are being made that that's an that's an actual important part we're we're standing in front of god we're standing in front of each other as a as, as a bride and groom we're also standing in front of people that we love and honor and we cherish their wisdom and speaking into our lives, whether that's friends or family members or mentors or, you know, all through the generations, the people who are gathered there, we're saying you are an active participant in the promises that we are making to each other. You are holding us accountable to the promises that we are making to each other. Every person in the room is an important part of that. It isn't just like, oh, I'm going to sit back and take pictures on my iPhone. It's like, no, your your heart is in the room. Your heart is bearing witness and present to this moment because anyone who's been married for more than like 
four weeks, knows that marriage is difficult. Marriage is hard. Marriage is a place where we grow the most as human beings. And it requires the most. It requires the most sacrifice. It requires the most compromise. It requires the most forgiveness. It requires the most communication. And all of that is going to happen in this bride and groom's life. Like they're starting something new. This is day one of something new. And those witnesses in the room, whether it's a lot of people, but actually in a lot of ways, I love the the stripped down version of a wedding ceremony where it's like we picked these specific people. Those specific people in the room are saying, we honor and bless the commitment that's being made right now in our presence. We will stand behind the promises that we are hearing you say to each other. Now, I know in reality, this is not the way that it always plays out. But I think the more we understand about what we're doing, even when we're at a wedding, the more we can bring our hearts sort of into the room and into caring for people. Because we've been invited, if you're a participant at the wedding, you've been invited by the bride and groom to actually bear witness to their promises and to hold them accountable to their promises. I think there's actually not enough of this in our individualistic culture. It's kind of like, well, you do you and you you do your thing. And the next thing we know, you know, people's weddings or people's marriages are broken up. We didn't even know that it was going to happen. I was with some friends of mine that I've been friends with for more than 20 years. And I said to them, hey, guys, like, if you ever hit a really, really hard part in your marriage and you're thinking like, you don't know if you guys are going to make it, we got to promise to each other that we will reach out and talk to each other. Like we know we're coming in, you know, we're on the tail end of our parenting. I'm looking ahead to empty nest. I know that empty nest is a time where often marriages can hit some some hard parts because of just a identity around raising kids. So I said to my long, you know, kind of lifelong friends, can we commit to each other that if we hit a really hard time, we're going to, we're going to like speak up and tell. And, and guess what? Those lifelong friends, they were my bridesmaids. The people who actually stand up at your wedding are standing up to say, I will do everything in my power to help this man and this woman in the very difficult, sanctifying work of a marriage to help these guys work it out, to help them make it happen, to call out what I see is selfish or to call out what I see is a place where, where more love and more healing is needed. I will be part of that. That's really the reason why those people are in the room. That's why that's why you have witnesses. And those witnesses, kind of your first witnesses would be those those bridesmaid and groomsmen in kind of a traditional ceremony, but it's really everyone in the room, no matter who's there, whether it's five people or 500 people, every witness there is saying, we join with you to hold you to what you're about to do, which are these vows. So you've got the the framework of this intent and then witnesses. And then I love the vows and what a vow really means, and especially what it means in our relationship with God. So when vows are made, And depending on, again, individual framework, sometimes people will share their own sort of part of that. Um, But I generally help couples see kind of also using some traditional vows within. And in those traditional vows, what's happening here is you might notice that like it's not like the bride says one part and then the groom says another part. It's the groom says the whole promise and then the bride says the whole promise. It's a one-way promise. And what we like to do, what I've been trained and taught to do that I love to do is, you know, when the groom is speaking, he holds the woman's hands in his hands. Like he's holding her hands um, as if he's kind of scooped up and having 
having the one be the one who's giving the promises. And as the groom says those promises, he's giving those promises before God unconditionally to the other person. It's not a conditional set of promises. It's kind of like, no matter what you do, this is what I'm going to do. So when he says to have and to hold, to love and to cherish all the days of my life, like all of that is a one-way promise. I'm going to make a promise to you with God as my witness, with these witnesses as my witness of who I'm going to be for you. Then the woman also does the same thing. I'm going to give you these promises. They're a one-way set of promises. They're not contingent on you. They're they're what I'm going to give to you unconditionally, one way. It's a covenant. I'm entering into it with these promises no matter what. That's really the spirit of it. It's not like, hey, if you honor me, I'll honor you. And if you like if I respect you, then you respect me. Now we know life works like that a lot. And we also know that marriages and get broken and life becomes difficult. But the, the intent of what happens in that moment. There's there's very few things that you would ever take vows for before God. You take vows when you become baptized. You take vows when you get married. And you, you may take vows if you become a pastor or a leader in the church. That's basically it. There's no other time for vows. So this is going to be the one time no matter what, that you stand up before God and say, I'm going to make promises to this person. The promises are not contingent on their promises. The promises are one way. And what's beautiful about this is that this is how God enters in with love for us. Scripture tells us we love because God first loved us. He entered in to a one-way commitment with us. He is faithful to us even when we are not faithful to Him. He is patient with us even when we are not patient with Him. He brings love first even when we don't respond in love yet. He gives all of that unconditionally, but of course we have to respond to it. We, we It just can't lay out there and not be picked up. And so a lot of times in this marriage, you're laying those promises out there and having faith that the other person will pick them up and respond to them. And then the other person's also laying out their promises, having faith that you will pick them up. It is a one-way set of promises. You may want to ask yourself, what are vows, my beliefs, that I believe one way, regardless of what another person is to me. Um, What do I believe about forgiveness? What do I believe about compassion? What do I believe about legacy? What do I believe about love? Those things are one-way promises that you can make to yourself, to the world, to your relationships that actually become this compass for you about the person that you're becoming. It's very powerful to think about life from this proactive stance of who am I and what do I believe? based in scripture, based in your life. Who am I and what do I believe? No matter what. This isn't about how a person responds to me. This is because this is who I am or this is who I am becoming. That's that's really the essence of Christianity is that we enter into this relationship with Jesus and we begin to live by this belief system that is so powerful that it's consistent no matter what, no matter how people respond to us. I mean, this was why so much of Jesus' teachings are so revolutionary and like hard to capture is that he said, no, I'm saying to you, love your enemies. Like your love is not contingent on those who love you. He's like, if you love those who love you, how is that any different than anyone else? No, I'm saying that you love your enemies. That's a whole new belief system. So this idea of these vows, the vows that we make in a marriage, the vows that we make to the world about who we want to be can be so powerful. Okay, last thing from a wedding. Okay, we've got 
the bride walking down the aisle. We've got the intent when they come together. We have the framework of the witnesses that are present. We have the one-way promises that are made. And then generally there's an exchange of rings. And this ring is not a ring for us to admire and wonder, you know, kind of show off how much how much money we've spent. This ring, I don't care what kind of ring it is. The ring is a symbol. It's a symbol. And we say in a traditional marriage, this ring I give you in token and pledge, meaning I'm going to make, I'm going to give you a token of everything that we've talked about today. I want to give you a pledge that represents everything that I wanted to give you today. This pledge wrapped up in this ring, this circle unbroken, this pledge is about the fact that this is my new family. This pledge is about I've walked away from my old family. This pledge is about the promises that I made to you today that I want to uphold those promises with everything that I have. This pledge is about letting these witnesses be a part of affirming and holding up our marriage. That's what this ring means. And it's a little symbol. It's a token and it's a pledge of everything that we've said. And if you think about making beautiful moments, beautiful moments in a marriage, beautiful moments with your children, beautiful moments with your team that you lead, thinking of what token and pledge could look like when you're in a moment that you want to mark, a moment that's important. And all through our lives, our family lives, our marriages, we have these opportunities to create these moments. It doesn't, the last one does not need to be on your wedding day. There's many more moments to do this. But in that moment in the ring, we're saying we're going to take a little symbol that's going to be a tangible object that reminds us of what's happened here today. And that can be very, very powerful to use in your own life, to use again in your marriage every time you look at your wedding ring, you can remember, that's what I did. That's what I said. So when it gets tough, when I don't want to forgive, when I prefer distance over trying to lean in again, when I don't want to communicate about this thing, when I just want to be, you know, hold on to my resentments, I'm wearing a symbol of all the things that I said for us over 20 years ago. I'm wearing a symbol as a daily reminder that this is who I want to be, that I, I committed one way, when I stepped onto that altar, I made vows before God one way when I stepped onto that altar. So even when it gets tough, and I'm talking about kind of normal tough, I'm not talking about biblical reasons that marriages fall apart, which is a whole nother conversation. But when I'm just in my like normal every day, it gets tough. It gets tough enough that I don't really want to do it, which I don't think people say enough in Christian circles that everyone I know in a marriage has entered a season where they're like, I don't think I want to do this. It doesn't have to be a big sort of infidelity for you to feel like this isn't really working for me. That happens. It happens through marriages all through life. But when you get to one of those moments, those symbols, those tokens, you can remind yourself, this is who I committed that I wanted to be. So now I might need to gather some witnesses. I might need some help. I might need some help in the form of mentors, and I might need some help in the form of counselors. I might need some help in the form of even my own personal growth so that I can stand up for the promises that I made on that day. So when you go to your next wedding, or when you think back on your wedding, or when you prepare to get married, and you think about these things, remember, these are not rituals without meaning. These rituals represent deep meaning. And in that deep meaning, there is so much love and richness to be found. Whether that's your wedding or some other moment you want to create, think about that because love is worth it. Talk to you guys later. Thanks for tuning in to Let's Be Real with Nicole Eunice. We'd love to hear from you. Have a topic to suggest or a tricky situation you need help with? Send us an email or a voice memo to Nicole at NicoleEunice.com and we may feature you on the show. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode.